Now we all know that the sexiest women in the world are, or the sexiest women on television are in the WWE. Now to vote for these beautiful young ladies, you have to vote, go to, to <laughs> go to, uh, go to uh, WWE, dial 86946 and vote for your favorite Diva Search contestant and text message your favorite Diva Search girl. And do her name. Welcome to Cheap Podcast number 82. This is the unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. I'm Dave Rudden, and I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. And I've got three guests with me. Uh, Hallmark Channel's Chris Antista. <laughs> Moneymaker Henry Gilbert. Uh, Swiss Superman uh, Brett Elston. <laughs> uh, so this week's uh, Kayfabe History, continuing the long and storied tradition, the biggest tradition in all of Laser Time, Kayfabe History this week focuses on The Miz. He is the fourth wheel in this weekend's Extreme Rules uh, Intercontinental Championship match. Even though he is the champion, he is nominally the, he's the champion. He yeah, is, sure. yeah, but he is kind of, yeah, he's he's wrestling with three of the best indie wrestlers of the last decade, finally converging in a WWE ring, and he's also there. Mm-hmm. But he is, I mean, he's kind of been also there for his entire WWE career, which has had some very very strange uh, turns here and there. Uh, so let, let's start at the beginning. Before he was even on WWE programming, the character of The Miz debuted on The Real World back to New York in 2001. Uh, it usually just came out when he was drunk, but it was a, it was a wrestling character because he was always a wrestling fan. But mm-hmm. they would come out and he would just say like, hey Carl, The Miz needs to use the phone. He was basically just doing a really bad rock imitation. Mm-hmm. Very bad. But uh, it, I mean, that caught the attention of WWE because when the WWE had their own reality show Tough Enough... Uh, in 2004, they, ha- they had a segment that would air on SmackDown regularly where uh, The Miz and other prospective WWE wrestlers would do, like, stunts. They would, you know, do joust. They would do arm wrestling. They would do things Donkey here. Donkey basketball. Yeah, but it was for a million-dollar WWE contract. Mm-hmm. It was so real-world-ish type challenges, or more like road rules-ish yeah. type challenges. Like which he had done in the years between uh, being on the real world and joining WWE. He was on a ton of the real-world road rules challenges where he was always one of the best because he's he is athletic. <laughs> but he was not athletic enough to win tough enough. He he made it to the finals, uh, which, which ended at WWE Armageddon 2004 in a Dixie dogfight match, which was a shoot boxing match. It was an actual boxing match between... The Miz and the eventual winner, Daniel Pewter. And Daniel Pewter was a he was a, he was trained in MMA, so it's kind of surprising that like the Miz even survived to the end of the match because they went to a decision, which in WWE's case is we asked the crowd, and <laughs> the crowd said that this Pewter guy won. Pewter made one more appearance in WWE where he basically got hazed at the Royal Rumble and beat up for ten minutes and then thrown mm. out of the ring. But uh, but the Miz did score a contract, but it was in developmental. So he spent all of 2005 uh, training in Ohio and all these other places, Deep South, 
he eventually finally made it to the main roster in March of 2006, where he was he was teased as the new host of WWE SmackDown. So he wasn't even in a wrestling capacity. It was kind of like an MTV VJ, where he would just be in the crowd. He would say like, "Are you guys all hyped for Funaki's match? Yeah!" Wow. <laughs> and you know, like it was it was almost like we don't think you're worth it as a wrestler right now. We're gonna make you just we're just gonna put your face on TV because people know it and like leech off of that. Uh, but he was originally supposed to feud with SmackDown's like authority figure, which at that point was a it was a network representative for UPN. Uh, his name was Palmer Cannon, and they were supposed to feud. But Palmer Cannon actually quit because he was being bullied. Oh. Like the the joke was his his name was Palmer Cannon PC. He's trying to make the show like homogenized and not fun. But mm. he, he, meanwhile, he is actually being bullied in real life and uh, never got to actually feud with the Miz. Probably would have told those people like you're not being very politically correct in yeah. all this bullying <laughs> of me. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Miz then moved on to being the host of the Diva Search, which was kind of like Tough Enough, but for the Divas at the time. It was like degrading competition, just like Tough Enough is. Mm. And uh, like, there's some notable uh, YouTube clips where the Miz is floundering. He's on Raw now, so it's not even taped. And he's he has to read off the phone number for the Diva Search. So he's like, to vote for Crystal, vote call or go www.com 1-800-BYE. Like, real bad. He's trying to read the notes he wrote on his wrist that he didn't want to go to. It's so bad. It's it's so obvious. The announcers are laughing at Yeah. Uh, but he actually made his debut as a wrestler in September of 2006, and actually had a, he had a winning streak that went until December when he lost to the Boogeyman. Uh, in early 2007, wow. to, just to show how long this part of the OW has been around, he hosted his first Miz TV, which, in the, which back then was a play on MTV, Miz TV. Uh, but he brought that to ECW, where he took on a gimmick called the Chick Magnet. There was a sexy woman faction in ECW at the time called Extreme Expose, and they would give him lap dances on the show because he was Ooh. such a shit. He's a chick magnet. He couldn't help but get all these girls. But it, that culminated with uh, a obese male stripper named Big Dick Johnson giving him a, <laughs> a, a, a lap dance while Miz was blindfolded and un- unaware. So, uh, Ugh, yeah. and I was a real life writer for the show yeah. too. I mean, you got to do what WWE tells you. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so November of 2007, Miz won his first tag team champion, first of many tag team championships, with a fellow Tough Enough alumni, John Morrison. This is kind of really kickstarted both of their like uh, popularity in WWE. They got a uh, an internet show, which it, in early 2008 is actually kind of a innovative thing for WWE yeah. called uh, the the Dirt Sheet. So they would make like inside jokes about like this guy's not getting pushed or this guy's getting buried. Uh, you know, just m- mocking on WWE superstars on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they remained a tag team through all 2008 into April 2009. Uh, they were at that point they were they were drafted to separate shows. Uh, Miz was Raw and Morrison was SmackDown. And at that point, Miz betrayed uh, Morrison. When they broke up, you wonder like, well, who's going to stay the bad guy here? Because one has to turn on the other. Yeah. And uh, I for I thought it might have been Morrison, but I was really glad yeah. when it was the Miz. I missed that hat he wore yeah. when he was in that tag team. <laughs> Probably misses his old hat. Uh, so when he was drafted to Raw, Miz antagonized John Cena for a number of weeks. This was a rare time that Cena was injured and off TV. Uh, he he would challenge Cena to a match, and because Cena wasn't around to face the Miz, he would claim victory by forfeit. He did it for a couple of weeks. Then after two months, Cena finally came back and just decimated the Miz. Uh, but this is also around the time where the Miz won the United States Championship, and at this point, Morrison was the Intercontinental Champion on SmackDown. Uh, so they would have like little interviews here and there, saying like, "Well, 
I, the Miz, am the Shawn Michaels of the group, and Morrison, you're the Marty Jannetty. I mean, they were at equal, you know, standing at this point, but uh, they had a few that was like on pay-per-views. So there was the Bragg Rights pay-per-view, SmackDown versus Raw. Uh, Miz won there, and then he also beat Morrison in a Survivor Series match. So moving on to 2010, Miz started teaming with a different person, the big show, uh, Show Miz. Uh, And they would capture the tag team championship at that point. Also at this point, Miz became a mentor on the first season of NXT. Before NXT was this indie thing that everybody loves, it was a terrible game show where, much like Tough Enough, much like Diva Search, you're putting rookies through really embarrassing things. But in this case, these are like proven indie guys doing embarrassing things. Case in point, the Miz mentored Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was a huge star in the indies for like a decade beforehand. Uh, huge in Ring of Honor, all these places, and he's being put with one of the least talented wrestlers. In 2009, he was Daniel Brian Danielson yeah. was regarded as the best wrestler active, yeah. and that everyone respected him. Yeah. And then Miz is a joke, and yeah. so to put them together, it was to antagonize indie fans, yeah. but also kind of mock the Miz because the other guy who he's training is yeah. 8,000 times better than him. Though, like, they did bring it up on the show here and there. What Miz did was add, like, he added a lot of heat to Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Like, he has the personality that at that point Daniel Bryan didn't have. So, like, him just antagonizing Daniel Bryan kind of rose Daniel Bryan's stock. Case in point, The Miz won the U.S. title in 2010, uh, but would lose it to Daniel Bryan. Also in 2010, July of 2010, Miz won the Money in the Bank ladder match, which granted him a WWE title shot at any time. He uh, cashed that in against Randy Orton in November and won the championship. And that was a crazy thing, like kind of giving a little bit of mainstream appeal to the WWE, just like, hey, remember the Miz from the real world? Now he is WWE champion. And he would call himself the most must-see champion because he went on like all these talk shows because... Fear Factor? Yeah, well, that that was that was during his post, uh-huh. uh, post-real world pre-WWE. But this was like... Like, he was able to get on, like, Conan O'Brien and all these things. Though, he also was even able to tell the story of his rags-to-riches thing yeah. of just... Well, not rags-to-riches, but that he talked about how when he came into WWE, nobody respected him. That yeah. he was made to change in the hallways because he was not allowed in the locker room because he's not a real performer. Yeah. And now he's the champion. He would hold on to the WWE title... Uh, well into 2011, actually past WrestleMania, everyone thought like, oh, he's just going to be decimated by John Cena again. But uh, he did win in the main event of WrestleMania. Granted, yeah. it was considered one of the worst WrestleMania main events ever. And The Miz was a third wheel uh, behind The Rock and John Cena. The Rock interfered in the match and beat up John Cena so Miz could win. And then The, then the Rock beat up The Miz. And, uh, you know, Miz lost the title the next month, but he does have that on his resume, that he won the the main event of WrestleMania one year. Probably won't ever be back again. I heard the great saying that he's the only person who's main evented WrestleMania that has to remind people he did that. (laughs) It's great that he brings it up because it's great for his character, but it also tells you, like, yeah, no one remembers because it wasn't a big deal. Like, people would rather forget. Uh, So after losing the title in May to John Cena and failing to win it back during rematches... Uh, he started a feud with his NXT 2 trainee, Alex Riley. Alex Riley was like, he would follow them as around. He would hold the Money in the Bank briefcase. Then he would hold the title for him. Uh, but he, he failed to help the Miz win the, the title back. So he feuded with Alex Riley for a hot minute and actually lost to Alex Riley, but it didn't really help Alex Riley. No way. Uh, but by the end of 2011, the Miz became frustrated with his place in WWE, and he formed like a conspiracy theory tag team with uh, with our truth called the Awesome Truth. They would end up facing The Rock and John Cena at Survivor Series 2011. Guess who won that match? 
Not even, I was there live at that, so I know who won that one. I did like the lead up to that of them actually like breaking into a cage match and beating people up and mm-hmm. getting arrested. Like they did seem like a threat for a tiny bit. Yeah. It's crazy to think of either of those guys seeming like a threat to John Cena, yeah. but. So uh, 2012 and 2013 were kind of uneventful for The Miz. He won the IC, he won the Intercontinental title for the thousandth episode of Raw in uh, mid 2012, and then he turned face at Survivor Series. Like after like almost a decade of exclusively being a heel in WWE, he finally became a good guy. But it really didn't take because he didn't really do anything different. No. Uh, I mean, the only thing he really did that kind of caught on was that he was almost Ric Flair's apprentice. Ric Flair taught him the figure four, but that was another thing he was not that great at, is doing this, this submission move properly. Uh, but yeah, so but doing that led him to win the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania in 2013. But uh, things really started to click uh, in the beginning of 2014 because he had left to go film the Marine Four <laughs> and returned in mid-2014, the same night as Chris Jericho. It was a nice little twist where WWE said, uh, a, a former champion is returning tonight. Don't miss it. And The Miz comes out. And you're all yeah. disappointed because, oh, that's the guy. But also Chris Jericho came back that same night. They had a mini feud. But th- at this point, The Miz started to play up his Hollywood persona, even though like all he's been in is WWE movies. It's a double-edged sword thing where the WWE will make fun of The Miz. Like, you're not really a Hollywood star. Yeah, but you're starring in the WWE's biggest movies, so you're basically mocking your own movies. You're spending tens of millions of dollars to make those movies and then make fun of them. Like, yeah, yeah Triple H is one of the guiltiest of that. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it like it worked for the Miz because he was like he would tell people like you know don't touch me. He would do this whole thing about taking his glasses off, like making a big show of it. Uh, but uh, it really hit its height when he brought on a stunt double in the form of Damian Sandow, who he re- he renamed Damian Mizdow. Uh, at first. Damien Mizdow would just be sent out to do a match entirely instead of The Miz. Like, he would say, I don't want to fight you this week, Dolph Ziggler. I've got my stunt double here to do it. But uh, eventually they would team up, and Damien Mizdow would perform uh, the same moves and the same falls that The Miz did during the match. Essentially, The Miz would be uh, competing in handicap matches because he would never even tag in the Mizdow because the crowd loved Mizdow and would cheer everything he did. But uh, they ma- they managed to win the Tag Team Championship at Survivor Series, but lost them one month later. Uh, but it was really cool how when they won the Tag Team title, The Miz would carry both belts. <laughs> and Mizdow, who was imitating The Miz, would har- carry two replica belts. It was a, a fun little visual. They eventually broke up at WrestleMania 31 in uh, mid-2015. Didn't see it. Yep, during the Andre the Joint Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, they, the Miz wanted Mizdow to help him out, but uh, Mizdow refused, threw out the Miz, but he didn't win the Battle Royal either. Uh, they feuded for a little bit and actually had a match where the winner got the rights to the name Miz, mm-hmm. which fortunately the Miz won. <laughs> uh, and he, again, the Miz floundered for a bit. Like That feud got him big. Got the, it got Damien Mizdow big, but stuck around in the uh, Intercontinental title picture for a few months until early 2016, uh, when the night after WrestleMania, he won the Intercontinental title again by bringing his wife, uh, Maurice, who used to be a diva. They didn't really date when they were in WWE together, but afterwards they got married, and you know she stayed off TV for a long time. Now she's brought into the equation. She slaps Zack Ryder's dad to uh, to distract Intercontinental Champion Zack Ryder so The Miz could win, but it's added a nice little element to The Miz, and it's kind of revitalized him. Like He's holding his own in this... Uh, in this feud, surprisingly, because, I mean, he's got a lot of charisma, whereas, you know, Sami Zayn is still learning, and Cesaro is, you know, finally starting to get that personality, but, uh, 
Yeah, that's the career of the Miz. He's been he's been shot on for a lot of it, and he's had a lot of like meaningless periods. But he's made the most of it. And right now, I would say is has finally really found his character, and is one of the hate most hated guys, the guys you want to see pinned in WWE. Yeah, I've heard the saying that like uh, he can lose, you can watch him lose a million times, and you still want to see him lose. And that <laughs> yeah. is that what makes a great bad guy. Yeah. And the same with. Uh, you know, I loved when he began his moneymaker gimmick, yeah. and for his first couple matches on the Titan Tron, <laughs> it just had his face on it the entire match. Yeah, and he would not let you punch him in the face. Like it was, mm. it was pretty funny. You'd be like, whoa! I, I don't think he'll ever get back to uh, main eventing a WrestleMania or holding the WWE title, but like he'll always be there in the middle of things and. Occasionally, like he'll just have these classic moments, of, mm-hmm. like Mizdow or or like hiding behind his wife, and it, yeah, yeah I, th- I think he's back on the upswing right now. And his amount of media training can't be you know underestimated. Yeah. That makes him a great asset to the company, totally. Yeah. And uh, you know, I feel bad for being one of the people who hated on him mm-hmm. until about you know 2014 or something. Mm-hmm. And I was right there with the guys. One of my favorite mocking the Miz moments uh, was on that NXT where mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan is like complaining at The Miz, and The Miz is like, oh, you think you're a better wrestler than me? <laughs> and behind him are his co-judges, William Regal and CM Punk, <laughs> who both have wrestled Daniel Bryan and respect him greatly. And they both just look at each other like, oh, yeah, way better. Like, <laughs> like Regal's going, oh, yeah, way better. And then CM Punk goes like, oh, yeah, and he raises his hand like just to show the distance <laughs> in between those two. It's so uh, good. Uh, that'll do it for this kayfabe history. We're going to be back with our live segment talking about This Week in Wrestling Stay tuned. Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling will return after these messages. You like Laser Time shows? Then you might like Bonus Time, Laser Time's weekly bonus show exclusively on Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Here's a taste of what you've been missing. You want to go through game journalism days of your Heidi? She's like, but I found all these other jump drives from you, and these are all from like our era in the games press yeah. that I've been slowly throwing out. Five hundred twelve megabytes. Five. Yeah. We've made wow. bigger podcasts. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I wonder what I'm going to stick it in and see the, what's on. The, in a preview Whoa, wow. for Jumper Griffin story. Can you read a sentence from that? Taking in a viewing of the Banff Happy Jumper trailer, oh, you might be bracing yourself for seeing another game movie tie-in starring Hayden Christensen and Samuel L. Jackson. Hey, that's not a bad line. They've been in a lot of movie yeah. tie-in games together. Uh, but you'd be wrong, young Padawan. Uh, central in the film, they, though they are, Jumper's Griffin story allows Jamie Bell's character... The immensely irritating Jimmy from King Kong. That was a reference I thought everyone would get. Um, (laughs) Unfolding a different plot that intersects the events of the film because it was an interquel or That is way too good for a Jumper Griffin story preview. Thanks, Dave. No one was panning. Get bonus time, Laser Time's weekly, full-length, uncensored, and ad-free Patreon-exclusive podcasts, as well as weekly full-length movie commentaries, wrestling and cartoon video commentaries, physical rewards, the first season of Talking Simpson, and more at patreon.com slash laser time starting at just five bucks you'll help us live and we'll do our best to help you never be bored again and now back to hulk hogan's rock and wrestling
welcome. Yes, it's uh, another Cheap Podcast Live. We're going to be talking live with you all about wrestling while uh, uh, simulations of some of the week's biggest matches happen You know, in the background. Again, we, we ask that you comment and talk with us about the wrestling shows, not, not about the action that happens. And actually, in this case, because of the way that we have to do Cheap Podcast Live, we have to like set up a bunch of matches, but they have to be all the same type. They all have to be men's singles matches in this case. So, it, like, in the case of Raw, there's a lot of tag team matches. There wasn't even a singles match for NXT that had two men. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> yeah, so we're starting off with Raw, which had, I thought, the uh, the Kalisto-Alberto uh, Del Rio match was all right for what it was, which was, like, their, like, A3 match. But uh, I was a little bit worried about Alberto Del Rio just because he's, like, hasn't been doing much since the, uh, the League of Nations broke up. But I think he's just, like... How soon until he quits again and calls somebody? Well, right now he's apparently like, dating uh Oh, he's dating Paige, Paige so that'll calm oh, any nerves, yeah. I think. Uh, what do you think of that I age difference? She's 24, he's 39. I think it's great, Paige. and all men should be able to do it as much as they want. <laughs> Which well, we have throughout all of history. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's encouraging. Though I'm pissed off of just like, he, Kalisto, it's the classic Rey Mysterio booking of losing on your way to your title defense. Yeah, but this one was a little bit... It was a little bit more warranted because Rusev literally brought his tag team at, tag team partner out to ringside and beat him up in front of Kalisto. Whereas, like before, where it's like, "Oh, your your music's playing. Let me turn around to get rolled up." This was at least like, "Oh, my friend's getting beat up. Let me show some concern and then, oops, I get rolled up." So I was peeved about last week that like Rusev, or maybe it was two weeks ago. Rusev, no matter how much he is distracted, should never be beaten by Sinkara. Like mm-hmm. I don't care what the excuses are. Sinkara could <laughs> shoot Rusev and shouldn't beat him. Once again, night yeah. humidifier, I have not been dropped from Laser Time Developmental. I am just nice. off camera. The people in the podcast don't even know anything's going on, but I just want to say hi to Brandolph, CG Comedy, yeah, Jenny Brandolph, Schilling, by the way, made uh, a raw theme nice. podcast logo oh, that we've got that. on the And uh, Yeah, remember, there, we're so live, thanks. so like people in the chat and people watching us live can chime in and yeah. we'll read your thoughts on the air. Well, what's the real good best uh, match of the week? Well, for me, I think it was probably the, the uh, Kevin Owens and Sami oh, Zayn yeah. versus Cesaro and Miz. Even though they've basically been doing permutations of that for the last month, just yeah. switching it up. Like, literally, SmackDown was those four just in different tag teams. Mm-hmm. I really liked the fact that they finally, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have been feuding since Kevin Owens showed up, uh, what, December 2014? Yeah, the late 2014. Yeah, so, but this is the first time they've had to team together and just <clears throat> Kevin Owens being the worst tag team partner. Like, there was the role that he had to be there at, he couldn't. He couldn't walk he away blue, like he'd be out of the Intercontinental Championship match if yeah. he left. <laughs> but and so he was forced to do it with him. And it was great. It was just him like criticizing everything that Sami Zayn did. Oh like God. I tagged in, you gotta get out of here, man. Like just My favorite like, bit was throwing a little shade here and there. My oh, favorite bit was yeah. when he kicked him out of the ring. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like he did a blind tag on Sammy, mm-hmm. then did a, a senton drop on the Miz, mm-hmm. and then he goes like, get out of here, get out. <laughs> and, and then he gets the pin on Miz, and Miz kicks out. He's like, that would have been three if you got out sooner. Would have been three. <laughs> Newly Salad says every time Alberto stiffs another lucha, an angel gets yeah. its wings. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, the ending of the match was Sammy Zayn getting the win, but then Kevin Owens... Knocking out Sami Zayn afterwards and saying, I won two. Yeah. <laughs> I won two. I loved it. He's so great. Like, nobody, I'd say Jericho right now might be the only guy who's a better bad guy than he is. And so, yeah. I mean, that was really great. And like I've been feeling with, uh, with the IC Championship in general, it feels like classic SmackDown 6 to me. Mm-hmm. These four guys can face each other any old time they want to yeah. and just and any permutation has a great match and they always yeah. do. And and that it started though with a SmackDown-ish setup of mm-hmm. Cesaro versus Sammy and then the other two guys interrupt and it's turned into a tag match. Yeah. 
as much as it's also been repeated ad nauseum for the last month, uh, the Usos against the club, uh, not Ugh, not the alcoholic drink, long. not the Sega game, uh, the tag team. It was, I think, the first time that the club basically lost to a regular tag team and not Roman Reigns, who never loses at all. Uh, uh, but, it, you know, it ended with a Styles clash onto a chair on from AJ Styles onto Roman Reigns, which... I didn't think AJ could do a Styles clash to someone as tall as yeah. Roman Reigns. But he did it and yeah. didn't break his neck. And I'm like, his worst Styles clashes. So, like, I liked seeing it, but a part of me thought, like, okay, they're giving that, this to us now because it's not going to happen at the yeah. pay-per-view. But you probably don't want to see that because if Roman Reigns kicked out of that, you might, uh, might I mean, die. Well, now I've, I don't know. <laughs> I just let it go. Like, he's been kicked out of twice. It's not a finishing move. Would he, you not even strongly tweet about it? I would. <laughs> I won't pretend and I Brindolf, wouldn't. Brindolf saying, uh, this is this is obvious, and I'm sure everyone has said it already, but for some reason it struck me as a particularly funny the Miz is pretty much Johnny Cage, yeah. and I love that. In every way. Yeah. And, like, I don't know why I haven't put those two things together you yet. You can see but. a split and a nutch punch, and you couldn't, yeah. put the, yeah. put, you couldn't put it together. Well, but I also love that how he carefully takes off his sunglasses, mm-hmm. just like Johnny Cage would. Like, the Miz character is A+. Plus. Yeah. I love it. I just, every, his wrestling just isn't on the level. But, like, it's not on the level of Sammy, yeah. uh, Kevin, or Cesaro, who are some of the best on the planet Earth. So yeah. I don't. Judge means for not being as but good I wouldn't, as I them. wouldn't want him not in that match because no. he's... I mean, with the exception of Kevin Owens, I think he's the most charismatic in that match. And, yeah. Like, him getting beat up, you'll want to see more than anything else. And he uh, can sneakily steal a pin or he can get pinned. Yeah. Ashen Red is saying, the mid-card and the IC belts uh, stuff has been what's keeping me going. So it's been great to see Cesaro's uh, Zayn Owens yeah. mix it up. Super high work rate and great characters. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually starting to buy into Styles' reign simply because AJ is so good every time yeah. he's in the ring. Yeah. I mean, a part of me thinks, like... Are they going to really have him lose two pay-per-views in a row? Is mm-hmm. that, like, I don't know if they do something screwy with Extreme Rules or what, but like, at a, at a certain point, you're making like AJ look oh. terrible by continually losing. And, uh, they've, but, been, and they've been soft-selling him yeah. being part of the club. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Do you think, uh, do you think they're going to just go straight with it and have him go bad? Or do you think uh, yeah, one Finn Balor is going to make an appearance at Extreme Rules this week? Yeah, it could be like Finn taking command of the club and uh, be, strong yeah. at AJ. That, 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 that seems like the most... The thing that would damage AJ the least is yeah. to, for him to lose for a And then he could just wrestle the club for a yeah. couple months. But uh, that was good stuff. I, the time machine bit with New Day wasn't very it. funny. Well, yeah. it, it spoke to me because they called it the New Day Lorian. Of course, mm. of course you love and, that. Uh, well, yeah, they also referenced Kofi you, like formerly being a Jamaican guy. That and, was pretty uh, good. But what did you think of the changing of the... Um, like calling it the Ambrose Asylum match or the Asylum match, it's just I like seeing the black cage. Yeah. The black cage. Looks it's a cage cool. with weapons on. But it. it's That's a cage, and the weapons are like a bucket and a mop. It should be like <laughs> everything that he's used in the past. Like it should be an, uh, a plugged-in TV, <laughs> a barbed wire bat, a chainsaw. Just uh, the stupidest things doll. that he's used. Yes, blow-up doll. Uh, so speaking of which, Sotanga is saying if The Miz ever worked as a janitor at a porno theater, he would be called The he Miz is. Mopper. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Just, fuck you, that's funny. I'm awesome. Oh, uh, Jesus. I would say like a... I mean, I think we're all ignoring the biggest thing that happened on Raw, which was that the fact that the Golden Truth finally teamed up. Huh? They, they, had, months, months. they had a promo video detailing their entire history, which has been going on since before Royal Rumble. Yeah. That promo video went longer than their actual match yeah. which again Ugh. which they lost uh, to Fandango and Tyler Breeze the big, two biggest losers uh-huh. so this, nobody think, should lose to them yeah but Tyler Breeze I think has won like three matches in a row which is it's insane. finally out of the doghouse yeah. 
Yeah, before we move on to the next show, Chris, is there any, uh, any comments in the chat? Yeah, well, JGB Sterling said, I've had a newcomer to my wrestling viewing party on Sunday, and I'm dreading they're going to be one of those people that say, you guys know it's fake, right? Yeah. How do you deal with that situation? You usually just say, like, you know, movies are fake, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, Game of Thrones is fake. Everything's fake. It's like it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a performance, and these are, these are athletes and slash actors slash ballet or mm. opera, like whatever you want to call it. It's a live performance piece. Would like, you go to a Broadway event and be like, oh, it's fake? Like, yeah, we all yeah. – people have known it is fake for longer than that person has probably been alive. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't think George Clooney's a real doctor. And, yeah. and Jim Ross used to always say, like, do you think they learned how to fall? Like, yeah. Yeah. Especially for something like Extreme Rules where people are going to get, like – Smacked in the back with like ladders uh, and chairs. And yeah, it's like uh, you can only fake being hit with those things so much. Yep. It's gonna really hurt. And it, and one of my thing I've said before that I think that I, I felt got, made some people go, huh? Was uh, the idea of like it's harder to <laughs> it, it's more training and harder to like I'm gonna spin off of this thing and DDT you into the ground and no one's gonna get hurt. <laughs> like that's skill. Yeah, that's a performance. Cold, cold, uh, cold incision says you tell them to fuck off because everything you watch is fake. Yeah. And so Tanega says Jackie Chan's fights are fake until he injures himself. Yeah. <laughs> All of reality TV is fake. Like, yeah. And also, uh, like, yeah, yeah you'll politicians are fake, man. man. <laughs> like, there was a six month storyline just paid off on Raw. <laughs> Granted, it wasn't a great storyline, but it was still like. I'd be a modifier says tell them the moon landing is fake and everyone enjoyed oh, yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's basically storytelling, but on like. A huge macro level where it's like this is a person's sixteen year story that you're seeing like end or like or reach a peak or valley and all right yeah so let's move on to uh, NXT Blake and Murphy against uh, Austin Aries and his mystery partner who is Shinsuke Nakamura so you didn't uh, miss a piece for piece for me was looking forward to hearing you talk about that yeah I mean it's again like I, they're using Shinsuke Nakamura so much and it's not getting old at all like he's been on since what April third he's been on like. Four NXT episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. And Wrestling, you, and you compared him to anybody else in that time frame, and it like you haven't seen Finn that much, you haven't yeah. seen Joe that much, you haven't seen American Alpha, maybe, but yeah. like, yeah, they are they are giving us a ton of Nakamura because I think they know we need a crash course right yeah. now and to strike where the iron is hot while everybody's so excited for him. And yeah. then, man, Murphy got was in a singles match. I went to NXT Portland last weekend. Oh, really? he, I'm trying to remember who he wrestled. It might have been Austin Aries. I do want to hear about this. Like, so you went no, to Trickle Best. We are doing Nina Jax versus Bailey, right? Well, that we are going to talk We're about talking it. about it. Yeah, You're just not seeing it. Yeah, I mean, because you can't. We couldn't put We're a women's match out, amongst people. two men's matches. It's it's the way that our streaming is set up and the way that you can simulate matches. Matches in WWE 2K16, but uh, I, I did think that match was was pretty good for the fact that they had two separate stories playing out. There was the Blake and Murphy breakup, which I don't know what you do with that. Like, does either uh, of I don't think either of them can be like the Shawn Michaels of the team. They both I think they're two Genetti's. Yeah, uh, the yeah. Shawn Michaels is Alexa Bliss. Yeah. That's who. Who's, that's who <laughs> Shawn Michaels is. But then, but then there was like Austin Aries, who the previously. Had said like I, I really need to shine in NXT. I need to stand out. I need to do that even more. So how about I face you guys in tag team match with my with a partner of my choosing? And then he picks somebody who will in, inevitably outshine him. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually the point. Now yeah. I haven't read ahead in the NXT yeah. results, but I think this is really setting up a Nakamura Austin Aries match. Yeah. He Austin should be pissed off that Nakamura stole his thunder of his first match. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You pick the most charismatic person, he is going to outshine you. Well, that's, I think, them recognizing yeah. they know he's getting outshined, so they should just have him against Nak, and Nak can beat him. 
and yeah. uh, and knock will beat him. Like I wouldn't have Nakamura lose a match for a while. Yeah. But it's quick. It's a uh, quick heel turn if it does happen, which I assume it will for Austin Aries. I mean, Austin should be a heel. He's yeah. such a, like he's the greatest man who ever lived. Like he's, yeah. he sucks. Like that's I, his thing. Yeah, and I think like if you're an indie star, you automatically debut as a face in NXT. Even Kevin Owens was tech for two hours. He was a face. Yeah. And the only way to make him bad was to have him beat the other indie guy everybody loved more than him. Which is kind of what they're doing with Austin Aries. I bet. Like if if he does end up facing Nakamura at NXT, which it, it's the only story that Nakamura has had since he's arrived. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, put him against the most popular person on the show by a huge margin. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But, yeah, the, the the main event was Nia Jax against Bailey, which uh, I thought An it was upset, better. would you call it? Yeah. I thought I think I liked it better than their uh, their takeover match. Mm. Well, I like their takeover match gave Bailey a, a submission finisher. She hadn't yeah. had that before. And this sets up Nia as the person who can take on... Oscar uh, next, so they can maybe hold off. It tells me yeah. they're holding off on a Bailey match till the SummerSlam NXT, and yeah. that could be the just as Sasha Banks got oh, a tearful yeah. goodbye the year before. That could be the tearful goodbye uh. to Bailey. That's my that's my prediction. That's my fantasy book in the territory, brother. It wasn't hugely different than their takeover match, but it was just like yeah, Bailey. It, in storyline, she just basically she barely escaped that match, and barely she barely escaped that match. And this time, it was like no, the, like Nia is just going to beat her up even more and drop Steamroller. drop her, all of her weight on uh, on Bailey a ton of times. <laughs> uh, Those big thighs, yeah, they hurt, man. But Brett, okay, can we take a little time to talk yeah. about Brett's NXT yes. experience? I just want to take a moment to say hi to Turbo Bison and Night Demon. If hey! I brought up, I hate to bring it up on another podcast on the LT Network, mm-hmm. but someone uh, from the LT Facebook community revealed that yeah. it's the 20th anniversary of the Curtain Call. Oh yeah, and we did miss that on 30 2010. Yeah, but, uh, but everyone complains when wrestling enters yeah. anything that's not a wrestling. But show. there are plenty of things surrounding that that will be on 30 2010. I imagine like uh, yeah, NWO forming. It's mm-hmm. all happening within a matter yeah, of weeks. It's all coming. Well, yeah, yeah. Bash of the months. Beach arrives. Yeah. Talk a lot about that, but it's not then yet. But yeah, what was uh, yeah? So yeah, it? Yeah, it was NXT experience? Portland. It was a show. Is this that? Did it air on television? or no. is it going to air it later? Was a house show though. There are cameras the, there because they treat some of this. Happened. Some of these house shows become yeah. canon and affect the show. Really? That, yeah. So this so one like was. it ends in a scrap. It was Finn versus uh, Samoa Joe, and it ends in a scrap where like they keep fighting after the match is over because Joe won. But cheesily, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he gets a roll up and rolls the tights up and all that. But like it was. The, the skirmish afterwards required the whole match or the whole locker room to run out, mm-hmm. and that made Regal the next day be like, hey, you guys have to keep it in the ring, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be a cage match now. So even though it was a house show, it still had some kind of effect on mm-hmm. the actual, you know, actual canon yeah. of NXT. But it was really fun. There were – it was like three hours, but, uh, man, Alexa you Bliss. You flew up to Portland for this. Yeah, we saw – I mean, I forget. I'm, I'm, it's now almost been a week, so I'm kind of – blanking on some of the matches but i mean no way jose was yeah. out and man people like i don't know why that's so over yeah like people weird. love it immediately and i think it's like fandango when he first appeared i like, guess like it i was... like his well so i like his music i like his baseball shtick <laughs> and i like his energy man he's yeah, fun I guess. like uh nakamura was there he wrestled uh i think elias samson uh, um joe and finn bailey and naya again uh, Bailey did a. She streamed to Facebook her ah. outro, like as she came out on her phone. Mm. And I had a picture, and if you, it's hard, but if you freeze frame when she points at us, you can kind of see my red sweater, I use, my ah. red hoodie, because <laughs> I'm holding it up to take a photo, and then I have a photo of her filming. Ah. Uh, oh, American Alpha versus Bailey's Revival, ah. which was great as always. So he announced a rematch for them. 
Yeah. Okay. And then uh, the guy who was on um, Breaking Ground, the uh, Sanatino or whatever the dude's name, he's like oh, super yeah. cut and he's like... Uh, uh, okay, yeah. Sanatelli. Yes, and man, he wasn't Sanitelli. very fun. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's whatever, but <laughs> I don't know. It was a lot of matches and it was a lot of fun. Like, the NXT shows... Are always fun. So. Uh, yeah, I read that uh, that show actually outdrew the WWE shows they had that weekend. Granted, the WWE shows were in Virginia and uh, this is Portland, which I have to imagine is kind of starred for wrestling. Mm-hmm. It uh, must be. Um, right, you also met some laser timers there, didn't oh, yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, well, it turned out there were a lot of people there, but we sat right in front of uh, Brandon. Yeah, there were there were a couple other matches, but, you know, like it's typical oh, no. angsty squash style stuff. Like Carmella, uh, she actually had an interview, kind of at least stating, "I'm staying in NXT. I'm glad my uh, my friends are doing well on Raw, except for uh, Enzo, who is uh, concussed." Uh, but yeah, she had a match, and she was basically just saying, "Like I want to be the next NXT Women's Champion. I don't know if that will happen for, her, but uh, also the." Um, Tommaso and Ciampa. Wait, no. No, Tommaso Gargan- Gargan- Gargano and Ciampa. Yeah, they they reteamed. Like they were doing single stuff for a little while, and uh, th- it's good to have more tag teams in NXT because, yeah. like, you know, it, both both shows are at like peak tag team right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can only help to have more. But it was just like I feel like the NXT tag team titles are kind of in like who who even beats American yeah. Alpha for those belts? And yeah. like I kind of wanted to like. Like they're re- they're rematching the revival at at Takeover, which is fine because it's in two weeks. But it's also like I don't really well, want to see the revival face them again. My it's, thought, it's, my thought is that it's going to be the mighty don't kneel. If you don't uh, know yeah. TMDK, they were a big hit in Japan. I believe ROH as well, but they were part of uh, um, they were part of Suzuki Goon, the uh, mm. the team in um, uh, the GBH. But anyway, they are a really really good tag team. Uh, and to have not had much American exposure here, and I think they could really teach American mm-hmm. Alpha a thing or two and could actually challenge American Alpha for it. The only other people I think could do that would be like the Young Bucks. Yeah. Uh, so now we're moving on to oh Lucha Underground. Not quite at the same Lucha level it was Lucha. for yeah. the, like, the past few weeks. I mean, like... It was a very storyline. Yeah, two of the episode. like the best main events of the season were the two previous weeks, like the, yeah. uh, the No Moss match... Uh, with Sexy Star, which is a quit match, and the uh, Graver Consequences match. Mm-hmm. This week they had a seven-person match for the Gift of the Gods Championship. But again, no episode feels like they're marking time. They yeah. all progress a story. Each match, probably because they've only got an hour, yeah. uh, each match brings forward things. Though, yeah, I still think what they did could have main-evented a show. Like, it is... The Gift of the Gods, uh, in case you don't watch Lucha Underground, is a really cool, their version of... Money in the Bank. So yeah. instead of having just a plain old Money in the Bank ladder match, first you have qualifying matches where seven individuals can win a medallion. Yeah. A gold medallion that lets you get into the match, mm-hmm. and then you enter the match in such a cool, like, dramatic way if you put the medallion into a belt. Yeah. And the winner of this seven-person match will win that belt. And the belt has the ability yeah. of... It is both a Money in the Bank briefcase and a d- secondary title. Yeah. Because... Uh, it is money in the bank in that you can trade in the belt for a match at a time of your choosing, but you can only do it with a week's notice. Yeah. So you can't just do it like, hey, I want it right now. Give it me right now. Yeah. Can't mm-hmm. do that. And in the weeks in between, you are forced to defend the belt so mm-hmm. people can win it from you. The belt disappears when somebody uses it. The first time it was used yeah. was used by Phoenix to win the championship from Mil Mortes. 
And so they had their second ever Gift of the Gods match. Yeah. So two things worked against. The first was that the first Gift of the Gods match was really great. It yes. was it was late, it was at Ultima Lucha. Yep. Like it was a was it a ladder match? I can't remember. Uh, it was I just don't a believe it was. Match. But it was yeah, it was like Phoenix and a ton of great wrestlers. This one was not as good. No. And it also had like almost WWE booking where Chavo Guerrero got in the match because he stole one of the medallions. Stole Cage's he, medallion. He stole Cage's medallion, and he since he put it into the belt, <sighs> the act of putting it into the belt is what gets you into the match, yeah, not try, winning it. And goblet of fire, like it, it, no, yeah. no, but it's like it's happened in WWE before, where it's like, oh, uh, Shawn Michaels super kicked Chris Benoit. Now he's in the uh, WrestleMania main event too because he signed the contract. Like, no, yeah. your name's not in the contract. It was Chris yeah. Benoit. Why yeah, are you, you committed in fraud yeah. in front of the world? We where's, know. I, where's a lawyer, a wrestler, to come settle? Yeah, this? why wouldn't like I would just like have a gun and shoot the person before they go out to sign their contract and be like, he died. I'm signing this now. Well, they, I'm in the, the championship match. The difference in this case was that Dario <laughs> Cueto. Brad else has got to get Jackie Chan to find that medallion. (laughs) So the difference there, Dave, is that Dario Cueto was there. And because he is such an ephemeral guy who just says, like, oh, um, whatever, I feel like this now. He just said, well, I'm sorry, he put it in there. uh, Because he wants to stir up trouble, that Mm -hmm. Dario Cueto. And yeah, uh, by the way, Lorenzo Lamas not on this episode. He has rejoined the. Sh- he is on the show now. Lorenzo Lamas of Renegade and Twenty One Jump Street fame. Yeah. Uh, no. but yeah, And then Elsie Humphrey's asking if there's ever been a milkman wrestler yet. The one I invented, the heir <laughs> to the milk fortune, the dairy heir. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't dibs. think of a milkman off the top of my head. That feels like something that would have come before 1970, <laughs> uh, or but, in the WWE in the late 80s. But I also do like that Cage is being set up as like Cage is a monster, yeah. like and he is. You look at him, you're like, no man should have these many muscles, and yeah. I worry he might be doing real damage to his yeah. body. But it's an impossible physique, and because of that, you kind of have to create storyline reasons why he wouldn't kill everyone. Yeah. yeah, and which is what they're doing. And this was just another moment of that. Mm-hmm. Like he would absolutely win the Gifts of the Gods match. Yeah. But instead, they have Chavo Guerrero, the dweebiest dweeb in the world, yeah. win it. Like, I, look, I uh, love the Guerrero family. I liked Chavo. Yeah. It's crazy Chavo, but he sucks. I am glad. That was the only the only thing on Lucha Underground that managed to get spoiled for me. And it was just so random where I think I was like I, had, I was marathoning season one. And I'm like, oh, it's Chavo Guerrero. I wonder what he's up to now in between seasons. And I looked up and I just saw the spoiler that he had won that that belt, mm. but I have no idea what happens afterwards. Like, I would uh, think, but he's uh, yeah, immediately not keeping yeah. it. Yeah, like immediately, like the way the match ends is oh. Cage saying, "Like, all right, I helped you win it, and now I'm going to beat you next week for it." Yeah. And it could happen. Cage just because... goes into the ring and kills everybody and lets Chavo get the pin, yeah. and then says, "And I challenge you for it. I'm taking it." And so. with the exception of maybe Marty the Moth, like. Uh, Chavo is one of the biggest losers on Lucha Underground. He's the big... No, Marty has gotten some wins. Yeah. Marty's a weird stalker. Yeah, the match on screen right now yeah. is Marty Moth and Killshot, which was a good little yeah. match. It was one where, like, Marty do- Marty loses way more than he wins, but this is one where I thought, like, he could win. Killshot is not big enough well, to be, Well, they've been like building a- up Killshot, though. He had that yeah. cool vignette explaining that he was a master sniper in the military, yeah. but then had kind of a, like crazy thing where he disappeared or and he was left for dead and his rest of his team is dead yeah. and I don't know he he had they finally gave him a cool origin yeah. and which is good because otherwise he's just like the skinniest guy who can fly but yeah. he's so skinny it's like I it's hard he's, to believe he's also the one guy you can definitively tell is not Mexican yeah <laughs> underneath his mask 
Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't yeah. know. With Prince Puma, I'm pretty sure he's. Yeah. And I there, mean, I've seen him without his mask off. There was also a four way match with uh, Mascarita, the, the, the midget wrestler, uh, mm-hmm. Argenis, Cobra Moon, and Daga. Uh, eh. But like, just like, cause I like watching like Marty the Moth lose. I'm like, ah, this guy is like, he's got a cool story. Like, he's a so- stalkery type of guy. He says he's Aztec, even though he looks like the whitest bread guy in the world. Uh, uh, but like, eventually they'll come up with something good for him. Where, cause like that four way match, it had Famous B, who was the biggest jobber in the first season. I do acting, like him as a manager. Yeah, he's Mascarita Sagrada's manager. He's the manager of basically this mute. Uh, Lucha Midget guy What's, it, what's the, his uh, Phone number 1483 four, Get fame Yeah something like that I forget the area code But it's a real number You'll get his voicemail ah. I've tried it uh, Yeah I, <laughs> I do like Famous B As I like his character He's he's neat Even That's the thing about Lucha Underground That uh, it, none of the characters Have gotten old to me Like WWE Or even yeah. sometimes NXT programming yeah. Like even if it's a match I don't particularly like, yeah. they can at least edit it down to an okay match, and I'll like the characters to a degree. Yeah, I did miss seeing like no Mill, nor no Phoenix, yeah. no no Puma, no Rey Mysterio, yeah. no no Angelico, none of the big guys, yeah. like no Dra- not even uh, Dragon Azteca yeah. or Dragon. Or uh, Aerostar. Yeah. Like, Pen- Pentagon Jr. was in the he was in the like storyline thing at the end. Yeah. Though I, I keep worrying again because I'm I'm not reading the spoilers. I don't know what like happens to his character. He, he kind of he he got like whipped by was it Milmoritas or nah, Matanz- Matanzo? It was Matanzo. Okay. And and now like his his backstage or his <laughs> like his storyline segments are him getting the crap beat out of him by a vampiro. This one was him getting hit in the face with a bat. I'm like okay, so he's dead. Well, like, I don't know if he is. I don't. So the vampiro but... character and the writing they do yeah. with him and Pentagon that, like, this has just become a kung fu movie with them. Yeah. Like, this is Pentagon has been broken down and now he's going to be built back one brick at a time by yeah. vampiro, and this is part of his training. I think he'll be better than ever yeah. at the end of the season. But I also think like, all right, they're killing him off because he's coming to WWE soon. That's uh, got to be it. But I, I don't that know. would be so good. But he like he literally doesn't speak English. And I can't see Vince, maybe in NXT, but Vince would be like, zero miedo. Like, yeah. I'm not letting people say that. <laughs> uh, Chris, any any questions or comments from I the did, chat? Uh, JJB Sterling asks, how far ahead is Lucha filmed before airing? I think they're probably like midway through season three. In, in terms of filming? Yeah. Yeah, they've filmed up through season three, like which I think yeah. airs in 2017. Jesus, so, really? Yeah, yeah they're wow. pretty far ahead. And I, if they get renewed again, well, because they want to do it while people are available and yeah. just get them in the bank. And... I mean, that's television production. That's how Lucha, as great as Lucha Underground is, one of the reasons it gets to exist in the form it is, is cheap television production yeah. like that, uh, which does make it hard for the wrestlers. They've, they've even been complaining, some of them have, yeah. just like, I love this job and this is a great alternative <laughs> mm-hmm. WWE, but I'm having to, rest to wrestle two very hard matches in the same day. Yeah, This is risking injury. And like. Tranquil Best is asking, how come you guys don't do TNA matches? And the response from everybody is... Because it's TNA. Yeah. Uh, TNA but is always depressing to watch. Is Ashen Red Peace all, for me says yeah. I only uh, I thought TNA only existed for Botchamania. Yeah, it's also <laughs> taped way way in advance, but uh, doesn't have the cool stories that mm. Lucha Underground does. Now, TNA is not awful. Says Turbo Bison. Again, we I'll cover TNA. The reason that we do every single time, which is when we think it's the last pay per view they'll ever do. <laughs> uh, they're setting up for Drew Galloway and um, Bobby uh, Lashley. Bobby Lashley yeah. match and. Uh, They'll be fine, but yeah. yeah, it's just like there's no heat on it, man. Even if I'm hearing they've been doing good shows all year, it's just blah. Mm-hmm. And then also like, hey, man, I like V1 Matt Hardy fine, mm-hmm. but I'm the, whatever Matt Hardy has mm-hmm. become now ain't into it, man. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't want to watch either him or Jeff Hardy slowly um, kill themselves. Yeah. Man, Jeff Hardy did some shit that he shouldn't do at WrestleMania. And he did it for nobody nowhere. That's who he did it for. <laughs> like, he's killing himself for nothing. And and I guess it also hurts because now we've just seen this cycle with TNA of all these guys leave WWE and they go to TNA and say, like, now we're going to put TNA on the map and I'm going to be big and famous here. Cut to five years yeah. later. All of them are gone and nothing they did in TNA matters to anyone. Yeah. Well, tranquil best. I feel as though all TNA has is Lashley, Galloway, Hardy, and EC3. EC3 yeah. is so good. And unfortunately, he's talked so much crap about WWE. Mm-hmm. It makes me think he'll never come Nobody back. talks enough crap that they would never... I suppose not, back. but then when they get invited back, you have to lose a bunch he, of matches. Even CM Punk, who were, like reportedly is further and further away from ever actually competing in UFC, like we have a secret with him in UFC is that apparently he's having all these practice matches that he keeps losing. Wow. So. It's sad. But, yeah, that'll sad. do it for the live portion of Cheap Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for submitting your questions for this live portion of Cheap Podcast. We'll be back with your question of the week and a few other little tidbits before we end this episode. See you in a bit. Game fans, want to get the latest tips and tricks to unlock advanced boards in your favorite games? Well, you won't hear any of that on Video Game Apocalypse, but you will hear a bunch of nerds talking about their favorite moments in video games. For example... I was really hoping Pocket Card Jockey could be a surprisingly good game, and it is! It really is. Did you want to play a game that is a very loving tribute to the sport of horse racing? No. That's also a game of solitaire. No. It's pretty much next Rusty Slugger. And it's really good. Seven bucks on uh, the eShop for your 3DS, boys. What? I gotta pay up front for a Nintendo download? Well, get the demo. It's good. Mm. It's good. Also, (laughs) I can't tell people I'm playing Pocket Card Jockey without them thinking like, oh, so you're masturbating. Yeah, Dave, Dave, yeah. Dave, everybody knows you uh, work out of your house primarily. Mm-hmm. Everyone assumes you're masturbating all <laughs> yes. the time. Until, yeah. you, until you talk to them, you're masturbating. Uh, all took, your friends think It took that. Dave 15 minutes to answer this okay. hangout uh, question. Uh, maybe. Look, I, I do a tantric style, so it's got a... Oh. <laughs> Uncharted 4! <laughs> Uncharted 4. That's Video Game Apocalypse every Friday on the Laser Time Network. To see more, go to videogameapocalypse.com. Welcome back to Jeep Podcast number 82. Uh, we're going to have a quick little closeout here with uh, your answers to last week's crowd question, and we'll pose a new one. You might be a little bit thrown off by the fact we're not, that we're not doing WWE Extreme Rules predictions on this show. I'm going to make it a uh, an article on lasertimepodcast.com again. I, f- I found that we weren't getting an, uh, as many responses in the forums. It seems like you have to go through an extra step to, to do that there. You have a site profile name. You have a forum Yeah, name. you do. You do. But, you know, this way it's a separate article, and uh, you can read what we have to say and we'll make little jokes here and there about what we think is going to happen so look for that there but right here we've got the crowd question last week was who is somebody that you felt got unfairly released 
or fired or left of their own accord just before they really had a chance to shine. Uh, leading us off was Tranquil Bez, who says, Obvious answer, CM Punk. When I started watching a decade ago, CM Punk was always my favorite. I was really in denial when he walked out, thinking, of, thinking it was a work, but reality kicked in when he was finally released. I hope the bridge that CM Punk burned is with that Colt Cabana appearance gets rebuilt someday. He and Triple H are my all-time favorites, and it sucks to see them hate each other. Triple H is somebody's favorite? Eh. That's crazy. Uh, Drew says, or Dreux, uh says... As a huge WCW fanboy, after years of trying to explain to my WWE friends that WCW's greatness was in its mid-card, seeing Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn, I guess, uh, <laughs> all jump ship at the same time was a killing blow. WCW felt like it was finally figuring out which talents to push, and I was at sold out when Benoit technically won the championship for the first time wow. just the night before his Raw debut, but it was all too little too late. The WCW ship wasn't just sinking, it had sunk. Chinese Ninja Social Justice Warrior said, Jim Ross, I understand that he was a commentator and not a wrestler, but there's so many matches from the past that were made so much better by his commentary that not only his release, but also the bullshit reasoning for his release still bother me to this day. And we were there. Yep, we were there to see the thing that would get him fired. It's insane because, like, it was the most entertaining thing when it we was, were there. It was I've, so great. And I thought, like, this is amazing. This is a home run. Ric Flair's telling these crazy stories, and, you know, Jim Ross is being hilarious, just, like, throwing away his notes. But it turns out, like... Vince McMahon was livid that yeah. like that Ric Flair was able to mention TNA and his dead son and cry and be drunk. Like well, he, he just took over the thing and was a drunk old man who was not taking any direction. Mm-hmm. And Jim Ross, like honestly, I don't know. They said that uh, it was Jim Ross's fault for not being able to control yeah. him. Like you cannot control Ric Flair. That, yeah. is, that is a truth of wrestling. It's like a, a damned if you do situation because. What is he going to turn? Is he going to kick Ric Flair off of the make is a he public say spectacle? Cut his mic. Yeah, time out, Rick. Yeah, like you, like that would also get you in trouble. You're so embarrassing yourself, yeah. Rick. Please get off the stage. <laughs> like he was in a terrible, and it was also live streaming too. The thing that hurt it, mm-hmm. and it was just like uh, that was. I never laughed so hard at a thing like that, and because of that, mm-hmm. I didn't get to interview Ric Flair. I got to interview Jerry Lawler that night, which was neat to meet him too. But. Yeah, no, that was total bullshit. And even before that, like, they inducted him in the Hall of Fame so he'd stop being a commentator, <laughs> even though he can still commentate better than anybody. But, mm. again, he's got, you know, he's an old man. He's got a, he's got a weird face. <laughs> Nobody wants that. They'd rather have Byron Saxon saying barely any words. <laughs> Rad Mardigan said, I was bummed when Bobby the Brain Heenan left WWE for WCW. Bobby Heenan might be my favorite wrestling personality of all time. I'll never forget the segment where Gorilla Monsoon threw Heenan out of the building on an early episode of Raw while throwing rolls of toilet paper at him. I always just found that sad because, like, Heenan, it's like almost the ultimate end to his story in WWE. Like, he's been this jerk manager and jerk commentator for years, but he's being thrown out onto the street. And, like, he, he his bag, his gym bag, just has, like, toilet paper <laughs> yes. and, like, crap in it. And it's like, wait, so you're, like... Almost like a homeless person. It like was, you, you are not like managing Andre the Giant and all that didn't make you rich. You have to like carry toilet paper in your bag. Like that's what kind of person you are. And it's like yeah. it kind of worked for as much as you're supposed to hate Bobby Heenan. It's like wow, that's that that's really a, a sad end to a story, but it kind of worked. It was a very sad exit, and he, I think he saw the writing on the wall that he wasn't wanted for the Raw era mm-hmm. that was just beginning. They'd rather have Rob Bartlett, yeah. who uh, definitely had staying power, and everyone remembers it. <laughs> Uh, so, with extreme rules around the corner, uh, this week's question, this week's crowd question is, what is your favorite extreme slash hardcore whatever mm. match? With the caveat, 
it cannot be a ladder match because that seems okay. to be the easy way. Like uh, ladder matches are great; they're always they've got high flying stuff. So, I want matches where people are getting beat to hell. With so weapons. this takes out the TLC. Yeah, TLC all, yeah. ladder matches. Anything where you have to pick something up from a from a top of the arena mm-hmm. for like a briefcase title, whatever. It's got to be an extreme rules match. All right. Well, well, mine would go back to ECW mm-hmm. for real ECW, and. Um, you know, there were so many great ECW performers there. Like, obviously, you know, Sabu, Rob Van Dam, Taz, Sandman, Raven, all those guys had great matches. But my favorite ECW matches were actually simply transplants from Japan. Uh. This is very hard to watch these days, mm-hmm. but it still is in my heart my favorite. Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka. <laughs> they had like a best of three series where they just clobbered each other like. Power bombing each other through tables, br- smashing chairs directly on their head as hard as they could, like just and and just flying in a mile a minute. These two guys who are just big, thick heavyweights, moving like luchadors. Especially Mike Awesome, he could fly <laughs> that guy. He was so good. And you know, now you think back on it, and it's like, well, you wonder if Masato Tanaka has any brain cells left after all those concussions. He must have su- suffered in his career, and he's still currently wrestling. And Mike Awesome took his own life uh, some years Oof. ago, and uh, yep, yeah, and you ah. have to, you have to wonder if he you have to wonder if you know is his uh, concussion the concussions can lead to that kind of stuff. It happened with a lot of those CTE sufferers, yes. mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but those were my favorite extreme matches. They yeah. were they were hard, super hard Japanese style, not mm-hmm. as bloody, but they broke crap everywhere, mainly each other. Um. I'm going to say Randy Orton and Cactus Jack, well, Mick Foley. Yeah. Oh, uh, like, that is so good. It, like, it was a great renaissance for Mick Foley where he, like, he came back and he did that match with Edge at WrestleMania, which was insane. But the one with Randy Orton was great. I mean, just because there's this one part where uh, I think it's Mick Foley puts all these thumbtacks in a ring, and you think, of course Mick Foley's going to fall on a thumbtacks. He does that every time. He wears, like, all of this, all these clothes on him. It's going to – it'll be cool, but whatever. But, yeah, the highlight of the match is Randy Orton going for an RKO but being thrown down onto the thumbtacks. And Randy Orton is just wrestling in, you know, your standard. He's a beautiful man with a godlike body. And he's just wearing underwear, you know, (laughs) like the standard wrestling getup. And has thumbtacks all over his back and just sells it amazingly, like, with the most pained look on his face. Pained and shock at once. It's great and, like, just... You wonder how real it is. Yeah, like, that and the Edge match are just kind of neck and neck for me, where it's, like, it's, it's Mick Foley kind of making up for, like... Yeah, my last few matches were not great. Like, I had a bad comeback, but this one, like, I'm really He he was in the best shape of his career at that time. And, yeah, uh, Orton, his hand was the most fucked up. Orton had his hand full of that stuff. And they had to go backstage during... I watched the match again recently. He had to go backstage and get the crap taken out of it. Mm. And then they come right back out and get back to the match. Oh, boy. I think that earned people a lot of respect for Randy Orton. Chris, you got any uh, hardcore, like, kind of matches? Hell in the Cell Foley Kate, does that count? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That one. There was a chair there was a chair involved. There's a tooth in her nose. Yeah. That granted the chair fell onto his face instead of being swung at him. But oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll count it. But uh yeah, please leave your answer to this crowd question underneath the uh Cheap Popcast number eighty two episode post on lasertimepodcast.com and cheappopcast.com. Uh, again, the caveat cannot be a ladder match. You can do hell in a cell, you can do anything else, but it's yeah, as long as it involves weapons and people getting beat to crap. Uh, it, it qualifies. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Cheap Podcast. You guys want to send us out with some plugs? Yeah, dude. Listen, watch the uh, Cheap Podcast yeah. live thing. I'm getting a big kick out of doing that <laughs> that stuff live. Uh, 
It was a little hard to follow the commentary in the chat this week because everybody was kind of we didn't have the right match on or something like that. And yeah. I didn't know what anybody was talking about. Well, because we couldn't show the best <laughs> matches because they weren't one-on-one matches. It and has so, to, yeah. Like one of them was a women's women. match. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, we're trying, guys. Yeah. And who knows when we get two K seventeen, it'll go even smoother. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, watch all that and uh, you know, patreon.com slash laser time supported thing, mm-hmm. and we have a bunch of extras there, including a uh, uh, several wrestling commentaries. Yeah, we just put exclusive. one up for uh, one of my favorite. NXT matches ever. Mm. Sami Zayn versus Cesaro, two out of three falls match. One of the best endings to a match I've ever seen. Just a great match in general. And hey, it plays off of the fact that Sami Zayn and Cesaro are in the same match at Extreme Rules. So if you want to see like the WWE origins of those two feuding, uh, yeah, the patreon.com slash laser time, $10 level, you get a wrestling match commentary and a cartoon, uh, superhero cartoon commentary every month. And you can watch it along with us. Like yeah. It's on there now. So yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and also, you know, there's Talking Simpsons, our weekly exploration of every episode of The Simpsons from the beginning. We've got 30, 20, 10, where we go through the events of a week 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. There's some WWE stuff coming up soon, guys. Though we did not mention the curtain call on there mm-hmm. because... Uh, it is a big deal in wrestling, but it was honestly one that we just missed. But believe us, the big one we're going to mention in 1996 is going to be Hulk Hogan's heel turn. That will be coming up. But uh, And there's Cape Crisis, my comic book podcast. Listen to it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with another cheap podcast. <laughs>